It's Thursday, November 12th, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. This afternoon, Pope Francis congratulated Joe Biden on his presidential win. This should finally make everyone realize that Trump's chances of blocking the Biden presidency haven't got a prayer. You know, because he's the Pope. There are growing concerns that Trump's delay of the presidential transition could leave the U.S. open to a terrorist attack. On the other hand, terrorists would probably be too afraid of coming to the U.S. and catching something. Russia is claiming that its Sputnik vaccine for COVID is ready and has a 97% effective rate. That means that only 3% of people fell out of windows after being injected with it. Trump plans to wreck Fox News by starting his own subscription-based Trump TV network. In keeping with most Trump products, you'll pay for 24-hour programming, but we'll be lucky if you get anything more than fast food commercials and outtakes from Borat 2. Trump's campaign has filed five lawsuits contesting 10,000 votes in Pennsylvania, where Joe Biden is leading by over 50,000 votes. Man, it's a good thing his supporters aren't down with the math. Chris Brown has joined OnlyFans. For years, he's been known for beating up other people, but now, for enough money, you'll be able to watch him beat himself. Speaking of beating yourself, yesterday, New Yorker magazine fired legal expert Jeffrey Tubin after he accidentally was seen by co-workers on Zoom last month masturbating. This marks the first time any New Yorker fired a lawyer for being a jerk-off. For the first time in a decade, YouTube won't be releasing its end-of-year rewind video for 2020. I guess that this is the one year that to rewind would not be kind. Cassie Davis said Pete Davidson broke off their two-and-a-half-year relationship with a text message the day before she learned he'd moved on with Ariana Grande. I guess we know where Ariana got the inspiration for Thank You Next. Airbnb is now listing the famed 10-acre Malibu mansion used in The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. For $6,000 a night, you get use of all seven bedrooms and 10,000 square feet of living space. One word of caution, if you're looking for the complete bachelor experience, the gonorrhea and air of desperation, that's on you. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by our guest, Jay Sean Durham. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast on their favorite platform, streaming platform. Let's start with you, Pete. I'm excited about eventually locking down with love. Okay. <laughs> Elizabeth? you doing i got booked at flappers for friday november 27th for a virtual yeah. show so you can watch it from literally anywhere Whee! get your tickets now <laughs> show uh hi everyone listening to us on google podcasts yeah it looks like we're gonna get locked down soon 
which means you're not going to be able to get get out much. But I would like to point out that if you order ten dollars or more at Popeye, no. they'll deliver for free. No, free <laughs> no. delivery via Postmates no. if you order ten dollars or more. So no. have a spicy chicken sandwich and enjoy your lockdown. I can't think of a tastier way to to be locked down. Hey, hold on, Joe. Did you say that Popeyes will deliver for free? If you um, order ten dollars or more, Veronica. Wow, what a deal! Cut this out. I'm not going to take this anymore. <laughs> Is it any ten dollars? I can get date night with my boyfriend for almost free. Yes, <laughs> for almost free. You can't get the good deals they offer, like the five dollars surf and turf online. You have to do it in person. You yeah, well, no, skipper. no, but that's not true. I was, I was mad about that yesterday. Well, you, sabotage can, yes, you can get their current spicy shrimp uh, box, which is only six bucks. So you sure. can get that and a side and a chicken sandwich. Wait, you can do that through all the, for free. You can do that through the online. Wow, yes. what a deal! Wow, what a deal! Amazing. And their oh, app is available is on on both Android and on uh, on Apple. So you guys are not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody touches me, it's me. Everybody's <laughs> 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 own link. <laughs> It's so oh, great, man. but I'm going to use my Jeff, my Jeff Green voice. Amazing! <laughs> <laughs> man, I had like a dumb joke all planned out, and it's not nearly as funny as that. So just, hey, guys, how you doing? <laughs> I got nothing. Stuart? I actually had two $5 temperature boxes from Popeye's yesterday. Okay. And Chris? Pretty much. Oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Not on my intro. How dare you? <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, I want to say uh, hello to everybody. Secondly, I want to say, Stuart, you should step your surf and turf game up. I mean, I love Popeyes, but surf and turf and Popeyes? Come on, sir. Treat I mean, yourself better. Than- Treat yourself better. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Secondly, uh, Stuart. listen, uh, guys, if those are listening out there, I, I don't want to get like too deep, but like, look, if we're about to go into lockdown again, just take care of yourselves. All right. Just take care of yourselves. Make sure your mental health is, is on point because, you know, we just went through another eight, we just went through eight months. And if we have to go through another eight months, it's going to be hard on some of us. So just make sure you got your shit in order. I'm not going to play a sound effect after that. Damn yeah. right you're not. <laughs> right. Meg, Meg is you got a pretty mouth. If Popeyes is sponsoring us, Meg, I certainly hope so. Listen, oh. I'll take, oh, 100%. Any day now. I'll give it out Any for day now. sandwiches. If y'all want to get out for no, chicken sandwiches. You have no shame. <laughs> you see this mouth? I will eat that on camera right here. Look at this. Look at the lip. Look at the lip structure. That is, that is delicious. I have already, I've already picked out my sides, Popeye. Hell yeah. So Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's what's up. Mashed <laughs> okay, potatoes so, and green beans. So let's get started with tonight's show. We're going to start tonight's show with just one question, where we take some of the top stories in the news, and I ask you one question about them. Larry David's daughter, Kathy released a new book that, amongst other things, details how Pete Davidson broke off their two-year relationship over text the day before he went public with dating Ariana Grande. My question is, what am I missing about Pete Davidson? Because I really don't get it. And I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) Let's start with Eva. So I have a lot to say in favor of Pete Davidson. Um, first of all, there's no reason why any of us should know this. It's morally wrong, but since we're here, we may as well acknowledge the elephant in the room. According to Ariana Grande, he's got a big dick. So that's mm. part of it. 
Um, he's also tall. I've yep. done dumb yep. shit for dudes who are 6'2", six 6'3", six before, and I would mm-hmm. do it again for Pete Davidson. Mm-hmm. But I also want to point out that not only is he very funny, but he's also very aware of the issues that he has. Everybody has issues. Like, we all have stuff. We all have baggage, at the very least. And he knows what his is and is taking active steps to deal with it and, like, make it less of a problem, which is more than I can say for most of the guys that I know. So I am very pro Pete Davidson. Okay. Stewart and then Elizabeth. Well, I just have a correction. If you, uh, in the article that uh, I read about the book, she says that she broke up with him and then she wanted to get back together and he said Correct. no over text. Mm-hmm. Correct. So he did not break up with her over text, which mm-hmm. sounds way worse than yes. what, what actually happened. So I just want to put that out there. And as for why people find him attractive, I think he's just tall. I've, I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. Elizabeth. Stuart, your timeline is correct. However, she found out he was dating Ariana a day after yeah. that yeah. incident. So mm-hmm. that's a little rough. Um, yeah, uh, second everything Emma said, there's uh, the big dick energy, the height, uh, he's funny, he's very vulnerable and open, and that's a very, very appealing thing to a lot of women. Um, <laughs> so, it, uh, and it, in for good and for ill, I think there's so probably some amount of like, I can fix him slash help him because he's sad. That's it. Yep. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what his appeal is. He's he a is giant. Tall. He is good looking. But he's like, he's like, he's Hang like on. this little like fragile Fabergé egg. And every girl's like, I have the glue to put him together. I can fix him. <laughs> I can do no, this. He, he, he doesn't want to be fixed. He doesn't want to be fixed. He thrives in it's his a, own book perception. I know he has, I know he has like some daddy issues where like his, his dad passed away. So like that, that's different. But again, that's part of his identity. He's like this broken, funny, bad boy. Like that's he's exactly. like an Eddie Kaufman exactly. type, you know, troubled human being. And every girl's like, I'm the one that's going to put those pieces and together it, and build and the puzzle with me inside of it. No. And if it's any consolation, she was she said openly she was very devastated by this. It was very rough on her. And her father, Larry David, apparently picked her up off her feet and said, honey, your ancestors survived the Holocaust. You can get through this. I mean, that's listen, so great. Which that is, is so the Larry, most Larry David pep talk ever given. <laughs> and very true. true. Also, I bet there. it's hard to watch your daughter, though, fall apart over a guy and so you got to pick her up with something. <laughs> okay, hang on. Two things, real fast. We're, mm-hmm. Sorry, I know Joe wants to go. Oh, go ahead, Emma. Go ahead, Emma. Finish yeah. what you're saying. Uh, we are not discussing the extent to which our attraction to Pete Davidson is healthy or not. None of us know him, so any attraction yeah. to him is purely superficial at best. Uh, but, like, the idea of, like, I can fix him being an attractive thing, we're not talking about whether or not that's a moral thing. We're just saying it is an attractive thing. Yeah, I was just saying that's, yeah. the re- that's a perception that so, people are exactly. very into. So, like, is it something that you should go into relationships with that mindset? No! But, no, like, no. you can still be attracted to people because of it. That's a thing that happens, and it's an explanation for Oh, life. I love a good and sad secondly, boy. um, Larry <laughs> David is absolutely correct. Her ancestors, just like mine, got through the Holocaust. But, like, you can also still be real sad about a oh, relationship sure. two and a half years ending with him ending up with a more famous woman. It's a dad. Uh, that it's also a dad. sucks you are allowed to be sad. Yeah, it's a dad That's pep fair. talk, because I bet, like I said, it's hard to watch your daughter get crushed by a guy, so you're trying to, like, pepper up in any weird way you can think of it. It's a very Larry David and also very dad pep talk at the same mm-hmm. time. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's such a great story, though, because like you said, it is so Larry David. I love it. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Uh, Joe, what do you have to say? Why are we asking this? (laughs) (laughs) 
because people people like what they like. Uh, people are attracted that's, to all sorts of different things. Um, you know, we we go through this world uh, trying to find somebody to go through it with, and a lot of times we we don't. We're alone, and a lot of times we find that person. Um, and and so so he's dated famous people. You know, that's because he has access to them because of his show, but. Uh, it's silly to say why, you know, how how the heck does this Pete Davidson, blah, blah, you know, people want what they want. I mean, I, I, I can tell you there were women that I've dated where, where their friends said, what do you see in that guy? And it doesn't, you know, that's just the whole point is that we all see different things in different people. And all I want, my wish for everybody, especially since it looks like we're going into lockdown and stuff like that, is to find that person. Find that person that you can't wait to go home to at the end of the day and talk to. Find that person you can't wait to wake up next to. Find that person that you always want to kiss. And it doesn't matter how they look or what you think they are. I know some people think, oh, that Pete Davis is a dude. We don't know who he is or we don't know what he's about. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to worry too much about how Pete Davidson is getting chicks. I, I want everyone to know that um, somebody's out there for you and you can go and find them. And it doesn't matter, you know, who they are, what they look like. And we shouldn't be questioning why, why other people like what they like. Let people be happy. Just for the record, though, Joe, you are way hotter than Pete Davidson. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Why are you? He looks like he looks like the lemur from Ice Age. That's what he looks like. He looks like the lemur from Ice Age. How is that cute? I just, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't get it. Like, I actually watched some of Pete Davidson's stand up today. I watched some of his SNL sketches, and I'm like, okay, let me see if I can find something. But I just think he's so untalented. So, so, <laughs> so, so our take our takeaway from this is that I am better looking than the lemur from Ice Age. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. <laughs> I, you know, so I meant what I said. Yeah. So, so yeah, you it's, know what? It's I, bet you, I bet you. I bet you. There's a bunch of people that think that lemur's really cute. Probably. That's true. That is. It's it it kind of adorable. The voice yeah, barrier, Mama. Yeah. No, the other one. Oh. The John Leguizamo. Distracted yes. feet. What? Come back to us. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm, I know. I know why you're distracted. I'm having, I'm having fun. We have a troll on our. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh it just throws me off. Yay. I know. But like, focus, focus. Come back to us. Oh, I mean. I, I think what Joe said was beautiful, and so I want to ruin that by saying that Pete Davidson looks like a cigarette that you didn't put out right. Um, and, uh, and I guess, I guess, you know, it must be the big dick thing because I, I mean, and 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 it just to me that doesn't make any any sense other than the fact that like these women are clearly not getting into it for the right reasons. I mean, if, if I mean, what's the wrong, what's the know. right reason? You want to catch so a dick, you catch a fucking oh. dick. Who cares? So you're blaming oh. the women? Is that what you're I saying? Peter. Peter. I also want to point out that. Why would you hey, shut yourself? Let him finish his misogyny, everybody. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Tell tell, uh, tell by all the women who wanted to just have yeah. some fucking fun. Well, that's if that's what the, if that's what it's they're in it for. Sure, that's fine. It yeah. seems like the problem that they're having though is that is that he doesn't seem to have that same same feeling because every time one of them breaks up with him, he gets into this this weird pouty thing. Like he like when he was like threatening he, to, to relationship <laughs> that's 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 work. You mean like the weird pouty thing I was in this last week? Because no, I have but a I mean, but you're not but you're not because you didn't have to send people to make sure you didn't kill yourself, um, you know, after it. I mean, like, because you weren't tweeting out, like, uh, like this is the end and all that shit like he does. You know, I mean, I don't know, again, I don't but know. We still checked in on him, regardless. We still checked what? in. We were like, hey, Joe, how you doing? 
Oh no, of course, but that's different. See, I mean, and how is that different? It's a group of people of checking another person. Joe, you're not you're not actually trying to do this for the publicity. I mean, I mean, anyone who's putting on. I, hey, I'm I'm like, doing it for the Popeyes chicken. Yeah, I know that's hey, the that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, let's just need some Popeyes chicken. But I, I mean, the reality of it is, if if he really was sad after Ariana Grande broke up with him, then then what the fuck is he doing going on Twitter to tell people about it? Like, I mean, is you that know what people do on Twitter, sir? To, like, like open the door. Hey, look, now I can get some new new stank because I'm not with her anymore. I mean, like, what is what is the point? I mean, this is exactly why I asked the question. Why we're asking this because. That's the kind of like that's the kind of thing that that people think, but you know that's not the that's not the reality of it. It's people in relationships. I mean, you're you're really trivializing this whole thing. I think personally, uh, it's an aggressive take. Um, I want to hear what Stewart has to say about this. Stewart, enlighten us. <laughs> so i I don't really like. I don't see what is attractive about Pete Davidson, like physically, but he is extremely like. I think he's really funny, and he's like. A excellent comedian so like obviously that draws people in um i think his vulnerability does attract people i also think like chris said there's definitely like a i want to fix him element but also like you know i don't like i've never met him maybe he's just a really like nice cool dude to be around like i i mean like ultimately i think like a lot of what people want in a relationship is just someone they enjoy being around that makes them feel better well, so, we actually know something. Yeah, I mean, so like that's I, I mean, I assume that's what what it is. I feel like it's less to do with his appearance and more just like him as a person. Possibly. Um, Emma and then Elizabeth. Uh, I'll, the other thing I was going to point out, I love what Stuart said. So I'm going to make it a more positive spin than what I was going to say. Uh, Two thirds of the people who were attracted to men on this screen uh, have said, yep, he's hot, and everyone else is trying to insult him real bad. Uh, I think that's a lot of jealousy. I think you're hoping he's going to cry all the way to the bank about it. Oh, no, he's so famous. Why are you putting me in that one job. third? He's got a ton of money, <laughs> wait, and like, he's getting wait, all wait, these wait, women that like, most of you don't have access to. Oh, I'm definitely jealous of him, for sure. Why are you putting <laughs> me in that one third? third? I'll admit that. See, the thing is, again... Okay, hold on, Joe has a question. Hold, hold on, on. Hold I didn't hear anything that just happened. What if Joe has a question? Why are you putting me in that one third? <laughs> no, it's, I did not say anything bad want, about, just about to be held. Um, <laughs> no, but I know she was talking about who's attracted to me. Yeah. I'm asking is that I, I'm, just, I'm just not. asking. I don't get right. it. I mean, like, okay, maybe it has nothing to do with jealousy. I, I don't care. He could he could fuck the world for all I care. It's not about that. I just I just don't get it. I mean, like, look at some of these women and then look at him. I mean, like, he looks like what you make up somebody to look bad as. Like I, I mean, like he. I mean, that's me. But I, I also don't think that's. I don't know that his appearance is what people find attractive about him. Okay, well then that that's what I'm asking. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'm, I'm asking you as the right, like, guy, but I, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, like from from a woman's standpoint, it's interesting to kind of find out because you know, I mean, Veronica and I have this conversation at different points in time when we hear stories about it. And she says it all the time. She doesn't get it. And so, like, I'm saying the same thing. Like, I don't get it. I just, and maybe I, I'm just trying to understand. May I? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not always looks. It's not always personality. It could be one. It could be the other. It's, I think that's what's what's happening here is he, he does not appeal looks wise to either of you or personality wise to either of you, but he does to other people. 
And then I also want to say, I, I don't think every woman who has dated him was trying to fix him. I don't want to put that on people or assume that. It's just, it's, I think, the perception and it's like a pop culture thing that people do, like, like I've been like, oh, I, wanna, I was into a guy who was very kind of closed off. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to crack through that shell and like was working fucking overtime. And guess what? It did not work out for me at all. <laughs> so because <laughs> he didn't he didn't like me back that way. And I was like, like, no, no, I'm going to break down this wall. Like everybody does it and does stupid things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's a very real I mean, thing. I guess too. he's like like my Dave Grohl because I think Dave Grohl is one of the sexiest men ever. And, like, when people, you know, they, they ask me, they're like, do you, you know, he looks like, I don't know, he just doesn't look like your traditional, you know, like, attractive, like, he, he looks, you know, messy and grungy looking. I'm like, I think he's just so incredibly talented. And to me, he's one of the sexiest men ever. Of course, not as sexy as my husband, but Thank you. Pete's, the, Pete's the sexiest, and right below Pete is Dave Grohl to me. And so <laughs> and I Dave looks like Jesus, and that means you're into Jesus. What? <laughs> No, like Norman looks like he plays Jesus. 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 Jes
he's going to be pretty much good to go aside from the other crimes that he committed. So this is a brilliant idea. And I think also too, like, I feel like this dude could probably charge whatever. And I feel like he would charge whatever. Like he probably charged like 50 bucks a month or something like that. And they would pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah. People would pay for it because the way that his supporters, I mean, as far as anybody that's ever ran president or has ever been a political figure, I have never seen anybody ride for him like his supporters do. And he is going to make a killing. And we also know he's not as rich as he, you know, makes people believe he is. But he's about to be. But he's about to be. Mm -hmm. Yep. Emma. Uh, I do generally agree with Chris. I would point out that that, like, end all the other crimes is not a little. (laughs) Uh, Like, he's still probably going to prison. It's not just tax evasion, you know? Uh, but like whether it's while he's in prison or pre-prison or post-prison, uh, which are just fun words to say, um, he, Chris is absolutely right. He can make so much money because he can charge whatever he wants and people will find a way to pay for it, especially if he like bills it as like, get back at the libs by watching this, make this the most successful news channel. Uh, oh my God, they'll pay so much for it. I think he's going to find someone who's like going to calculate the exact amount between like rent and bills and like the, like, how much people are paid and he's going to charge exactly that amount of money. Mm-hmm. Most- show, and then I'll go to Elizabeth. Um, oh, I-, I think it's a great idea. And what he should do is he should tear it because uh, uh, Trump t- has a lot of supporters in a lot of different kind of economics. So have a basic tier, which would be like 10 bucks a month. Uh, and that'll get you access to the site and things like that. And then you can up a tier, do like a 25 and that's going to get you, like some more things that you won't be able to get with a $10 tier. Maybe it'll get you access to certain shows that you wouldn't get with that. And then go for the big, like the gold or the platinum tier at 50, where they actually have like, maybe not a Q and a with Trump, but Q and A's with like celebrities or people from the shows and stuff like that. That really boy, Scott Bale, you know what I mean? Or Scott Bale, (laughs) Scott Bale Q and a, you know, but but you've paid that. So you're going to get everybody that you need in there. Cause I think if you, like fifty bucks, I think this is crazy for a lot of a lot of his supporters. Uh, but ten bucks in, yeah, yeah, they'll be like, "Sorry, kids, you're not getting Disney Plus because we're getting we're getting uh, Trump TV now." So, but I have to agree though with Chris. Like, even if he was to charge the fifty dollars, these people would find a way to pay it because they, his supporters are so checks. in. Like you said, sorry, no Disney Plus for you, but we're gonna have the Trump network. That's, that's one less um, monster truck rally a year. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing too like even if if, if uh, he does it so much to where people kind of fall off like he's still going to get new followers because it's going to be somebody else that tunes in all the time so mm-hmm. it's going to be a constant rotation of people mm-hmm. Elizabeth and then I'll go to Stuart I was going to say I would assume yeah at least a base level of nine ninety nine a month yeah. but are we forgetting all, all forgetting the most important American pastime which is sharing your password to your streaming service with your family member and or friends <laughs> like any, yeah, like but- everybody's gonna unless they put a. Uh, I was trying to share Hulu, my Hulu with family, and they have some blocks up now. But uh, oh. most places, oh. most streaming sites, you can you can share passwords and logins, and uh, I would not be surprised if you know you get one <laughs> so- financially solid family member, and then everybody just logs in with their password. Yeah, it's like it's like put put in a, a a username Patriot. Oh, that's taken. Patriot one. That's also taken. Patriot two. That's also taken. God damn it! Hours later, Patriot six nine six nine. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, a whole lot of Patriots. <laughs> Patriots 1776. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> uh, taken. That's taken. Two word and then Pete. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Trump's going to make a ton of money doing this. But what I'm curious about, so right now, like, there are a lot of, like, Trump shills with their own, like, media media operations. Um, I wonder if they're just going to transfer to his network. And also, like, does this mean he's going to stop posting on Twitter and, like, just post on his stuff? Because, like, I really hope yeah. that... Well, he's going to have to have his new, t- uh, like, a new Twitter handle for his network. Yeah, like, I, I really network. hope he just, instead of being, like, in public all the stuff, he just goes and, like, puts it in his own, you know, fascist echo chamber. And that's, like... yeah. You know, Stewart does make a point, though. I mean, I mean, Trump doing that is going to put a lot of other... Oh, you know, right, right wing guys uh, out of business mm-hmm. because everyone's just going to yeah. be going over there to listen to Trump and not, you know, not not hear the other voices coming in. So yeah, um, Pete, did you want to say something? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to say something, and people are going to be shocked. I think you're all categorically categorically wrong. Um, what? Everybody's saying he's going to make a ton of money. This is the same man who had Trump University and Trump Steaks and Trump Wines and Trump Airlines. He's going to do the same thing he does with every one of those and just assume that somebody's going to make it work and it's not going to work. It'll, I mean, that's if he even does that. I mean, the, the more likely thing, the lazier thing to do is just to latch on to, like I said, one of those one of those fringe uh, news networks, OAN or Newsmax, and just become a partner without actually putting any money in because God knows he's not going to do that either. Um, and, um, and, and go from there. And as far as like people paying for it, they're not going to have to pay for it because he will not be able to handle the thought of just being in one place that only people that are paying to see him are going to actually see it. It's, it, you know, that's, so he'll be giving away the content for free because every time he says something that somebody says something he doesn't like, he's going to want to see the most people possible. And if you tell him, well, you've got 200,000 subscribers on your Trump TV, or you can go on Fox news again, he'll forget all about what he was mad about Fox news with. Um, and he'll go there and, 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 you know, beyond all that, where the fuck is anybody coming up with any money to pay to to, to, to watch his channel? The people that well, want I said to watch don't it, your passwords. No, that's but I mean you know, everybody's password is going to be MAGA. So how the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if he does this, if he does this, it will fail miserably because you know somebody had a joke that I didn't use only because there were so many of them. But somebody said the best way for him to succeed is with this is with hard work and making sure that his father left him a news network. And that's <laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, because he can't do anything on his own without fucking it up. I mean, two hundred forty-five thousand people will tell you that if they I mean, could. All right, Veronica. Veronica, write this down that he said that because in one year from now. We're going to go back and see how much money has been made. And also, mm. who, who Pete Davidson is dating. I don't disagree with Pete. So far, I'm, we're over two on Peter being right on the show. Right? I am a, <laughs> no, I don't disagree. I've been right about everything when it comes to tracks and film. Um, Deutsche Bank's going to come take all the money. I'll make a bet with you right now, Pete, in one year. Uh, you know the the the, the no, the, you can make any bet you want with me. I all know right, I'm right. right. I know loser, I'm right. You know loser, loser buys, loser buys the winner Popeyes. That's 
that's fine because I'll be eating Popeyes then because I know I'm right. I mean, again, Trump is great at doing one thing, failing. I mean, sure, he won an election by what? Losing the election. He's trying to, to, to win a second election after losing it by even more the, than the first time. He's not that good at doing anything that, that involves succeeding. I, I mean, look, how many buildings has he failed? How many casinos has he failed? How many other businesses has he failed? You know, people seem to think just because 72 million people voted for him, which is a fuck ton of people, and I get that, but, but they, you know, like that, that leads to some kind of success. It has absolutely nothing to do with success. It just has to do with, with two things. You were able to trigger people that were already angry enough to vote for you, and then you were able to, to bargain with enough Republicans to vote for you. That's all you got. I mean, he didn't get anything else. And, and, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's not going to matter. I, I mean, we, in a year from now, yes, Pete Davidson will we'll be having sex with another very beautiful, successful woman. I don't disagree with it. I still won't understand it. But Trump will not have succeeded in this. Like I said, maybe he'll just go on, latch on to some other news network. But he's never going to want to be locked into one place where that's the only place that's going to hear his voice. No way. Uh, there is one thing that Trump has been successful with over the course of his career, and that's entertainment. Uh, he had a hit reality TV show. His book, oh, The Deal is a Bestseller. Uh, so, like, he can... He's listen, I'm not saying that he's morally good. I'm not saying that he's great at building up other things. He had other people producing it, like the show. He had other people write and promote the book. But he can put his face on entertainment and have it be successful. And we all know this is not going to be a news network. This is going to be a conservative entertainment network that's dressed up as news. Uh, I also think that for his, you know, university and his casinos and all that stuff, he did not then have the following that he has now. Uh, and he got that from being president. There are people now who would buy anything that he puts out because he was their president uh, in a way that they just would not have, you know, gone to his casino eight years ago. Um, in all fairness, for your bet, I think it takes more than a year for anything like this yeah. to start to succeed. So I'm not sure that's <laughs> an entirely fair representation of whether or not he will have succeeded or failed. Okay. So our guest is waiting to come on, so let's bring him on right now. Um, so our guest tonight, Jay Sean Durham, is a Washington, D.C.-based actor, playwright, and novelist who you may have seen in the PBS film The King of Crimes or in the psychological drama The House Invictus on Amazon Prime. He recently turned his play The Great Recession or How Democracy Broke Its Ass through a comedy of errors in a podcast miniseries. Please welcome Jay Sean Durham to TMI Daily. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you all hear me? Yes, yes. Thanks again for coming on. <laughs> How are yeah, you holy, holy shit. I think I got the wrong show. I, all, all of a sudden, like, y'all talking about Pete Davis's dick and shit, like, <laughs> for, like, 30 well, minutes. You got the right show. <laughs> That's the right show. That's like, awesome. like, That's precisely the right show. The, the, yeah. the rabbi's at his brist didn't even talk about his dick for 30 minutes. Like, what the <laughs> shit? <laughs> oh yeah, there's a table we're talking about the Supreme Court, and then from the Supreme Court we go to Pete Davidson. Pete so Davidson. that's what the yeah. TMI Daily is all about. <laughs> oh, tire tread lips, Pete Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> so I see that you've done a lot of acting in both films and in commercials, and along with mm. acting, you're also a playwright and a novelist. Which yes. came first, and then how did you get into the other fields? Well, uh, so I'm, I'm a longtime journalist. I was a reporter for, um, I cut my teeth as a reporter for a couple of newspapers in the South uh, for about 10 years. And then from there, I got laid off in the Bush economy, Bush the Younger, I'm not that old, Bush, w, W's economy. 
got a job at an insurance company, a very famous insurance company selling insurance and uh, moved through that company They at the corporate office. They needed a corporate communicator. And that brought me to D.C. I ultimately quit D.C., uh, quit the job in D.C. after 10 years, thanks to um, uh, just going through a pre-midlife crisis. My dad was had passed away. But John Roberts had sided with the, with the liberals and upheld Obamacare. My 10-year anniversary came up. And so I just said, fuck it, I'll quit. And I quit. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And for a year, I uh, just roamed the earth. And by the earth, I mean southeast Georgia, southeast Macon, Georgia, central Georgia, and Orlando, Florida, or something like that. <laughs> and uh, I eventually came to acting first because I wrote the book while I was, like, not doing my job worth anything and uh, released it, just self-published it. And I said I need a venue to promote it. And so I raised some funds through a Kickstarter and uh, launched a couple of shows, and I took the show on the road, me acting out the characters in the book, four play, uh, four characters. And so I sort of became a playwright and an actor while I was promoting myself as a novelist. And oh, okay. um, and then I couldn't do a regular job. I couldn't lift shit because I had to have surgery. Uh, long story short, I just started doing acting uh, because, you know, actors don't lift shit. And <laughs> I was able to, able to do that. And uh, I started cutting my teeth through acting. So now I'm trying to get back to writing since we have so much time on our hands because Biden's about to shut this joint down, y'all. Cheers. <laughs> That's right. So um, when you're working on a play, are you writing it with you in mind as one of the actors or do you ever insert yourself in, into your plays? The only one was uh, doing Four Broke Guys when I turned my book, The Broke Brothers Revolution, into uh, four broke guys so I could play all four characters. But no, no. Um, uh, my thing about writing plays is like I'm trying to write something that people actually like. I think I'm an actor second and third. I speak with an, a writer's voice. I'm more critical. So if there's something for me to do, that's great. But like the current project, The Great Recession or How Democracy Broke Its Ass Through a Comedy of Errors, I did not want to do any voices because I was already directing the thing. I was producing the thing. And so that's just a lot, of, a lot more work instead of like trying to get all these character notes right. So I'm, I'm fine with other people doing what I do because when it comes to writing, hopefully if I'm good at this in the next 10 years, I'll make some money off of that. So I don't have to try to like do the acting thing for the next 10, 15 years. But that's a pipe dream too. So I'm just going to be hustling. Okay. So you just mentioned your play that you wrote, The Great Recession or How Dem- Democracy Broke Its Ass Through a Comedy of Errors. Yeah. And you turned it into a podcast miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind telling us about the play and why you decided to adapt it in a, to a podcast form? So the funny thing is that the play is absolutely contemporary. Everything that's in there is is still like it, it was touch button stuff, except for a pandemic in 2020, racial issues, uh, demagoguery, all that stuff. But I wrote it three years ago in a, in a fellowship I was in for playwrights and um my my other playwright fellows, the other five people who I, I let read it, they read a couple of pages and they thought I was just going to balls to the wall. But I'm like, no, this is like some Mel Brooks shit. We're in a Mel Brooks time. And I just went exaggerative. I read the, what was it? The uh, the Steel dossier. I, wrote, I read the, the Steel dossier and I just expound on that and I just used my imagination. And sure enough, a lot of that shit came to fruition in 2020. And I said, I want to make my mark on... Uh, a, a commentary on this administration and what America's going through before this guy leaves office. And so I got up with my co-executive producer, Kristen Metter, and um, we broke it up into three divisions. They give you three 
50 minute uh, uh, episodes, more or less. There's songs. It's Mel Brooks type of shit. So it's Blazing Saddles uh, meets the West Wing. So we're doing a lot of racial humor, a lot of a lot of off color stuff, and stuff that I liked in the 70s that would never get made, 70s and 80s that would never get made now without people telling you to go fuck yourself. So mm-hmm. can you say fuck? <laughs> so, uh, uh, but so yeah, that's that's what made me do it, and um, it's about this man, a Trump-like character who wins the art, the office, but then we have some twists and turns along the way. So it's not just, yo, we already lived this. Why are we going to relive it again? It's more comedic, but it, it has messages in it too. So I hope people check it out. I think it's really, really funny. It's really fun. And it's kind of like Spike Lee's Bamboozle, where people don't know whether they should enjoy it, but they may be watching some minstrelsy. So that's the Rorschach test. And I like that. Okay. So before I open it up to the panel, where can people listen to it? You can listen to it wherever you get your great podcasts. You can go to Apple. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Google. Um, we're on Stitcher. Um, we're about to get on iHeartRadio. We're on, a, we're on all the, the big ones, basically. So you can find us anywhere. Just put in The Great Recession or how to put in the long title or just put in The Great Recession, Jay Sean Durham, and you can start following it. Um, we got great music. We got great actors. I hired 12 actors. Um, to, to make this thing fly. We got sound effects. It's not just a bunch of people talking. Um, no, no offense, TMI, but it's, it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I guess, like an old radio, the old radio plays that used to go on, the Orson Welles yeah. jazz or the stuff when CBS was bigger in radio and they were in TV. Sound effects, music. It, it opens up your mind because, quite frankly, with the world closing up, this was the only way we could do it. And still to surpass COVID protocols with such a big cast, we couldn't have everybody in there at the same time doing their voices. So it was a challenge, but we got it done. Okay. So does anybody have any questions? Um, let's start with you, Pete. Hey, Sean, thank you for doing the show, firstly. Um, hey, thanks, Pete. I'm wondering, because one of the things I keep uh, I, I keep asking myself, um, obviously our show is, is, is comedy as well, not this show, but the show that, that kind of birthed this show, our, our live theater show. And mm-hmm. a lot of the comedy that we did, did derive from things that were going on, on over the last four years. And so I'm wondering, in your opinion, how do you think things are going to change as far as comedy without having uh, a foil like Trump um, as your punchline a lot of the time? Well, first things first, he's not going away. We're going to be able to laugh at him, whether he succeeds or try to linger around or through his the New York state attorney office is on his ass uh, or whether he like uh, flees to Russia or like Venezuela or something like that or or whether his dumbass kids want to try to do something. Trump does not want to be forgotten. This is the, the, the most teenage, girliest, 74 year old man in the history of the world. So he wants everybody to talk about him. So. That element's not necessarily going to change. Um, we've sort of had this vein of comedy, this new era of political comedy, uh, since the, the Bush the Younger Daily Show years, right? Um, it got a little boring with Obama, but we still had jokes, and we still had ways to make jokes. I think comedy's going to find it. We have so much bad stuff going on in the world, then that's where the good comedy comes from, be it, you know, something really off-color about this pandemic to we have credit worse than North Korea, probably, you know, we, we got, we got protests left and right. We got stuff we can always muse about. So I think it's going to change because Trump, Trump is, was, is good for people. It's easy humor. Now you got to take it to another level. 
Now you got to actually dig into it, use your brains a little bit, and layer it. Okay, he looks like an orange pumpkin or whatever. Whatever. He looks like a melting candle. Okay. Now you got to get into it because Biden, there's tons of old man jokes. He, maybe he falls, he doesn't get up. You can go simple with Biden too. But, you know, some reason when we think somebody blew in the office, there's no jokes to be made. Oh, there's plenty of jokes. Okay. Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, I have a question kind of in a similar vein. When you were writing, did you find it hard to heighten the things that were happening? Because like the most, the Four Seasons Total Landscaping thing, how do you top that? The oh. thing? <laughs> well, I mean, I know that's probably not in the play, but like those kinds of things have happened this entire administration. How do you find ways to heighten what's kind of near peak, like incompetence buffoonery on their part? Well, I, I had it both ways. When I wrote it three years ago, it was my mind going certain places and it was codified. As we got to 2019 to 2020, it's like, oh crap, all this stuff has come true or it's at least reasonable. But even when I wrote it back then, I said I was not going to compete with what the real person is. Mm-hmm. My, my character Spade is a Trump-like figure, but he's not Trump. There's similar features, but they become their own characters. Um, also, uh, you know, there's, there's some slick things in there. Like I bring up Kefefe, <laughs> like that's in there. Uh, shit like they couldn't work the lights. That's a true story. Real true things that are like inside jokes for me and anybody who followed this White House. You sneak them and see them in there. But as far as storytelling, I did want to tell a story mm-hmm. and then I wanted to do my own balls to the wall shit. Like have a song and dance number and have somebody do the Sieg Heil and all that stuff in there. <laughs> I wanted to get my own brand of bullshit in there. Um, and, you know, you can't compete with the real thing. You never can. Truth is stranger than fiction. But you do your own thing because you try. I, I wanted to make it evergreen. So there's a moment, especially in episode two, where all of it changes. And now it becomes a treatise in a different way. It's not just, oh, Trump's so stupid. These people are stupid. These characters take on a different meaning for something else in America. Stuart. So uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia, so pretty near D.C. So I just want to ask, nope, how uh, is doing... Um, political comedy in DC. Cause I know it's like a lot of people work for, you know, these government agencies and a lot of them are not necessarily supposed to talk about politics or heavily involved in the partisanship. And I know that's always sort of a, a tough dynamic to deal with. Yeah. Well, I was blessed because I was actually able to, we have a robust theater community. DC okay. has more deep, has more as the second most inventory of theater space in the country next to New York. Um, and we have a large theater community I wanted to hire some actors. I had a little bit of money. I'm like, oh, I got some stimulus money. No, idiot, don't spend it. I fucking want to spend it. So I spent it (laughs) and produced this thing. And I hired uh, 12 wonderful actors and ensemble folks. And they're like professional, mostly full-time actors and actresses. Um, Some of them have government jobs, but they're, they're on the bureaucratic vein of it. They're not like we work on Capitol Hill type of thing. Um, and they all, they all pretty much got the joke because in D.C., you're pretty hip to it. It's in your bloodstream. Although the D.C. part of Washington could really give a shit. I mean, we, 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 we're the real city. And then there's the Washington element, the gentrifying people, the people who come from everywhere else. But right. it wasn't hard at all. Everyone was with it. And plus it was a pandemic. And to put a little bit of money in some people's pockets when the, the, the stage lights have dried up and, and they've, they've gone dark. It was it was worthwhile for me and us to do it. So I'm glad I did it. Chris, 
yeah. Hey, how you doing, man? Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that you have uh, Jack Johnson behind you on the wall. Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. Uh, uh, I know the history of him, and he was like a very fearless man. Now, do you look to him for inspiration, like when you're tackling such issues? Because like that dude back in the day, he wasn't political, but he didn't take no shit, and he gave a lot of shit in a lot of spaces that like us as black people were not supposed to be doing. So, like, do you take inspiration from that when you're doing material? There's a reason why he's on the wall. Also, yeah. it's it's just that poster happened to fit this little narrow pop out that I have. So like, yo, that makes sense. Yeah. And I kind of look like Jack. So, uh, although I usually have a goatee, Jack couldn't grow a goatee, but, um, no, yeah, absolutely. Like Jack Johnson, one of my heroes, um, his, his, I, I, when I, when writing this though, as a black creative, um, I have a multicultural cast, right? So I have some blacks, I have some, some (laughs) non-blacks, mostly whites, I have some Hispanics. I have some a Jew. I have, yeah, two half Jews make a whole. Jew. Yeah, I got, yeah, got some Jews. So we know we we know we have a diverse cast. I wanted to make it look like America. This story was about um, the story of America going to shit. The wheels falling off. That's literally the theme music um, uh, of of the whole thing when you hear it. And the challenge as a black creative is that other black creatives or other black people are like, well, why aren't you doing? Uh, a majority black thing. And right. I, the defiance is more, it's not defiance, it was like, I have the freedom to do whatever the hell I want because this yeah. is the story I want to tell. Like that man is like, I can be with whomever I want. Right. And, you know, you can go to hell if you don't believe. I mean, I've, I've written majority black stories. I've hired majority black folk. Um, this is a story, and this is also bigoted in, in an in a interesting way. A lot of people see mainstream stuff is only being produced by someone who isn't black Mm -hmm. or who isn't of color. Mm -hmm. A white person can totally be qualified to do a mainstream uh, tapestry of Americana. I'm looking at America as um, look at you lab rats, you white people, those who think that you're cool and would vote for a third term for Obama and those who are clearly bigoted. You know, I'm saying maybe all y'all should go fuck yourselves because if I'm walking across the street uh, or on the side, you may walk the other way or across that street, no matter who you voted for. And so this is a political satire in the vein that everybody gets a bullet. Mm. And I wanted to write that, especially as a tribute. He may never hear my name or know about me, but Mel Brooks is an icon of mine, a favorite um, and a comedy legend. And his history of the world, his blazing saddles, his producers. It felt like the time was right and the ground was fertile, mm-hmm. uh, current events wise, to do the Great Recession or how democracy broke its ass through a comedy of errors. So, uh, thank you for noticing, Jack. I like putting them back there, and um, I would love to play him. Although I'm 43 great. years old, but shit, he fought till he was like 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he fought way with him. Yeah, and, and jokers who were 20 years old, you know, they came out the womb with beards. So, whatever. right. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the question. Thank of course. Any more questions, guys? Oh, Emma. Uh, I'm curious, have you gotten any feedback yet from it? Uh, from like any iteration of the story? You mentioned a little bit about your fellows, but aside from that, like comments or family, friends or strangers, like whatever. I think my fellows were just being haters. You know, like you get into the, you get into the ecosystem of everyone votes a certain way. Everyone is appalled at a certain thing. And, and when I, when I presented to the fellowship, I mean, remember the bandaid was still just pulled off. That wound was still raw of the Trump administration. So that was 2017. And that was like, 
I think I completed it in August of 2017. So we were literally seven, eight months into the Trump administration. And when you meet people in certain creative levels, they're like, we all think the same. We all feel the same. No one dare writes anything offensive or anything that pokes fun at us. And I'm like, I'm poking fun at everybody because as a black man, I've got uh, a nuclear bomb full of, of issues with a lot of stuff that I see. And uh, so that's probably why they were tenderfoot. Uh, recently, I've heard some people, some people of uh, our, uh, the word is starting to get out. I'm doing soft openings and stuff. Now it's starting to get out. Podcasts are a different animal. But people have heard it, um, got a couple of reviews. They're good. Not only good, they're really great. I think people are surprised at the quality of it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not just going to spend money on this just to make it be crap. But I think um, it's not only being received very well, which is, I'm pleased that uh, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's making people challenge their own comfort levels and find themselves laughing at something that they didn't think they were going to laugh. Like uh, I remember Spike Lee uh, being on David Letterman's show years ago. I think it was like 1997 and, and it was, he was promoting bamboozle and David Letterman was like, well, Spike is great to see you as always. Um, I don't know if it's okay for me to say that I enjoy this film. Cause it's very hard in certain places. And Spike's like, it's the Rorschach test is whatever you you got people did enjoy this stuff as entertainment um but the fact that it's still striking a certain type of nerve that's important so you're going to face some things you're going to hear there's a, a whole scene not to give away but in episode two two um uh bad guys so to speak white men are trying to figure out names for blacks and they're not african-american they're not colored they're not negro they're going back and forth with all of the bad names until a symbol hits. And I'm like, this is just the best thing ever. And my, my, my white ass, um, cool actor guys are like, uh, Sean, uh, you sure you want me? I say, Hey, I wrote the shit, man. So <laughs> go for it. I wrote the motherfucker. I paid you. I want you to go for it. Really give it to me and lean into these words. And, um, yeah, I think that's what people are surprised at. They are surprised at how in your face it is while still being, you know, telling a, a, an overarching operatic story because it is telling a big story. Cool. So um, let me ask you one last question, if you don't mind. Um, if, if you got to a point where, you, where, where one thing was more successful than all the others, which one of the things you're doing right now would be, would be the one you would wish to, to be stuck doing for the foreseeable future? Writing. I want to write and create. Um, mm. um, commercials have a shelf life. Um, if I'm acting in something that's really great, that's awesome. I did, uh, th- there was a, a PBS affiliate in Richmond. I'll have the honor to play, and it's tough to say the honor, but it's an honor as a black guy to be able to play something where you don't have to worry about being a black guy. I played Thomas Jefferson in a movie called The King of Crimes for a PBS affiliate. That's been filtered out to a couple of different uh, places. And uh, we didn't go into racial stuff. It was more about Thomas Jefferson against Alexander Hamilton, but Aaron Burr in the treason trial of 1805, I believe. And I'm playing Thomas Jefferson. I grew my hair to where I could and had these sideburns and and my my goatee is gone and all that stuff. And it's just good to live into that space. And that's something that I could show people, you know, on a vanity level. But I'd rather create and have that live on. Um, so at the age of 43, that's what I'm working on. I have commercials 
people call me up and say, hey, are you the dude telling Boy Scouts that they can sue them because they got butt, they got, <laughs> got it in the butt? Like, y- y- yes, I am the dude. Please don't say it like that. But yes, I am the dude on that commercial. <laughs> 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 don't, don't say because they got it in the butt. Right. <laughs> Leave that part out. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how it was on you're, CNN. When you right. saw you don't have any revelations about the Boy Scouts that we don't know about, do you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, <laughs> they, they paid me fine money to tell people that they were going bankrupt and they need to file their claims. But uh, no, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be a writer and a creator. And um, this novel, Broke Brothers Revolution, is available on Amazon. Uh, or you go to my site, JSD Inc. You can check that out. Yeah, but I want to write stuff and I want to get bigger and better. I want to be bigger and better in what I do and create and have people think about it. And if I'm not in it, then that's fine. My, my vanity is in people receiving the work as if I'm God and I'm puppet mastering these characters. So. Oh. Well, Jayshon, thank you so much for joining us. And we do have your website up on our video. Yeah, well. the Great Recession Podcast, guys. Check it out and wherever you out. get your great podcasts. Thank you, folks. Oh, thank you so much. And come back anytime. Invite me back. I'll be here. Yes, anytime you want to come on as a panelist, let me know. <laughs> sure. No one's going anywhere for the next four five months. Yes. We, pro- we probably won't be talking about Pete Davidson's dick after today. Or will we? Let me tell you something. Pete Davidson's dick got staying power. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> how many skinny white girls can he, can he bang and keep himself? And how many sketches can he mess up on Saturday Night Live for <laughs> white chicks that he can bang who's like four foot nothing? It's, it's 50-50. <laughs> I'll let Boy. you discuss. Thank you, and hopefully we'll see you back soon. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. All right, thank you, guys. God bless. Thank you you too, man. So let's update everyone with the progress made in getting former D-list actor Antonio Sabato Jr. to block us on Twitter in our new segment, TMI Trolling. Peter, take it from here. Okay. Well, I, I, I have some bad news. We still have not gotten blocked by Antonio Sabato Jr. This is day three of our attempt. Are you sure that he's not too busy directing his conservative Western to like bother blocking us? It could be that. I mean, we're we're trying as hard as we can. Now, the only problem we had today was that he did not tweet as much as he usually does today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was. He was trying to get. He was trying to get Stacey Dash to act. I, that might have been what it was. That might have been what it was. I mean, he he was retweeting a lot, a lot, but he only um, he only actually tweeted a few times. Um, so uh, let's let's go through what we what we did get to do today uh, with, with him to see if uh, see hopefully one of these he'll come back and he'll actually you know he'll he'll say something and or block us at some point. But here's the first one. He was um, he had put something up about uh, Joe Biden's new chief of staff. He put Joe Biden chief of staff 2014. Yes, American elections are rigged. Um, so. I guess he apparently um, uh, had said something in 2014 about American elections being rigged. And so because in 2014 he said that, then clearly Trump must have had the election rigged. So um, we wrote to him today and said, hey, Antonio, don't be jealous that someone else got a job. I'm sure you could find work on OnlyFans or maybe a fast food restaurant. <laughs> that, that didn't get anywhere with him, apparently. I, I guess that wasn't really that strong, I didn't think. But it was, you know, again, we didn't have a lot to work with today. So Good opener. Good opener. Yeah, we went with it. Okay, so then the next one that he did today, this was one of my favorites. He wrote a reminder that Trump already won. 
Now, I don't know what he already won, but but according to um, Antonio, he had to remind his fans that Trump already already won. So um, so we wrote, hey, Antonio, if losing by nearly six million votes is a win in your eyes, then I'm fairly certain you're not getting cast to play a math teacher. Who am I kidding? No one's casting you for any part, regardless of your inability to add. Um, Still nothing. Got nowhere with that one either. Um, hope, we're hoping he would, but no, nothing with that one. But this one, this one was my personal favorite uh, of the day. Um, he put up a, um, a quote from the Bible. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's from John sixteen thirty three. Um, and so, of course, because he did write something very, very religious, we didn't want to be disrespectful. So we wrote, hey, Antonio, did you know that Moses was given a lesser known 11th commandment? Thou shalt not listen to wash up husbands. Now you know, and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Um, and again, nothing. But I thought that would be the one. I really had a feeling that that was going to be the thing that was going to really get get to him. But no, apparently not. He just it did not help. So um, so it is day three, and day three is a failure. We still in, have in, in, in Antonio Sabato Jr.'s defense, Trump <laughs> has already won, but we've all already won because you can get free delivery. Popeyes. <laughs> Popeyes. $10 or more worth of Popeyes food. Not taking that crap. We've all won. On Twitter. Is that what this is? Yes, yeah. we're trying to get him to block DMI. Now, yeah. although I don't know if you know this, Pete, but 28 minutes ago, he tweeted that the Democrats have cheated like they always do because they can't win anything on their own. Now they're going to be put away behind bars. Sayonara, baby. Oh, thank God. Oh, so, um, that's what all, all of us? I, I, I guess all of us. Oh, well, see you guys there. Seventy something million <laughs> of us. You guys. That's yeah, a, that's so. a lot of prison. Oh, see you guys prison. behind bars, man. Yep. Catch you guys there. So apparently, so tomorrow we'll continue with uh, with further updates. Every day until we get, we're going to keep this up till this man blocks us, and then we're going after somebody special. I just you I, need a graphic and some dramatic sound effects. We're going to get. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna... no dramatic. <laughs> That's pretty dramatic. I, I think you need to make fun of his cement in, injection company. <laughs> Just think about tomorrow when we have the game show, how many sound effects I can do. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, it's a game show tomorrow? Oh. oh. <laughs> is it Dodge? Oh. It is Friday. I'm going to Dodge tomorrow. I'm the defending champ. With a whole <laughs> new set of questions. Wait till you see. Can we get a whole new set of rules this time? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. So we'll talk about it after the show. <laughs> so apparently today is National Chicken Soup for the Soul Day. And according to the description of the day, it says that in order to celebrate today, we should tell an inspirational story to friends and family that will lift their spirits. So why don't each of us say something to lift our spirits to those watching us on Facebook or listening on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor FM, Pocket Cast, or any of the many other podcast services we can currently be heard on. <laughs> so go ahead. Who wants to inspire us? Okay, let's start with you, Elizabeth. All right, this is a semi-serious answer, um, but it's something I have I've been very into, and I've brought it up uh, with all of us previously if uh, a different thing but um it is the story of ernest shackleton and the ship endurance endurance sank in the south pole it happens <laughs> but he managed to get everybody all the crew off of, off of the ship safely and survived the south pole 
and make it and get off the South Pole into one of the little remote islands where there's like an outpost, get help there and get everybody off of the South Pole. He that's a damn near impossible feat. It's impressive. It's about leadership. But one of the things I really like is Ernest Shackleton's family motto is through endurance, we shall conquer, not overcome, not persevere, conquer. So the idea of just especially going into what is very, very likely another lockdown is it's it's an endurance battle that we're all facing with this. And it's not going to be easy, but we are all eventually going to get off the South Pole. That's, that's how it's going to happen. It's going to take a while. They were trapped there for months. They had to stay there literally on the South Pole in winter for months. And uh, if they can do it, and they did not, it was 1914, they did not have the any of the comforts that we have now. They could not order Popeyes to the South Pole. <laughs> but it, they had the fortitude, and it's hard, but I think we can too. And just know that a lot of once a lot of them left the South Pole and made it back to England, where they were they originally sailed from, they entered World War One, and a lot of them volunteered and wanted to go into World War One again. That's slightly different. They did not know that was the war to end all wars and it was supposed to be an honorable thing. That's a whole other story. But uh, Shackleton wanted to go really bad and they wouldn't let him. And by the way, he went back to the South Pole after the disastrous expedition because he was like, try me to Antarctica. So that's, that's my nerdy, historical chicken soup for the soul. We are all on the South Pole right now. It is bleak, it is winter, but we are going to get off the South Pole. We just have to use endurance. Thank you, Elizabeth. That was very nice. Um, Pete. It was really nice that Elizabeth said something so so sweet and inspirational. I'm sorry I'm going to fuck it up by doing something completely different. But expect nothing um, less. <laughs> um, I, when I think of inspiration, the thing I always think of is Gene Hackman's speech at near the end of Hoosiers. So, so I'm that's inspirational that. to people. This is like a Pete Davidson thing. Whatever you find comfort and inspiration okay. in, I'm not going to shit on it. No, I'm not Whatever sure. You're, you're you. Nice. I'm, here, but here we go. Are you ready? Ready. Go. Any second. There's a tradition in tournament play to not talk about the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. I'm sure going to state finals is beyond your wildest dreams. So let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got us here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what that scoreboard says at the end of the game. In my book, we're going to be winners. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> Anybody well, else? Well acted, well delivered. Sir. Thank you. <laughs> I do enjoy that movie. So both of you actually give surprisingly nice things, and I'm going to fuck it up and stay inspirational, but with a different twist on it. Um, not nearly the same level of tribulation as anything that Elizabeth has described. However, I've been rejected a lot. I've been rejected a lot, including by two gay guys, one of whom I knew was gay, and I asked him out anyway. 
The other one rejected me from on stage in front of all of my friends. Mm. Uh, I have been reject. I've been uh, cheated on and ghosted. Mm. One time, mm. a guy did not tell me that he was engaged, and I had to find out on Facebook. And oh. I've been rejected by four separate men named Chris. So that's going to be number five. We could talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been rejected a lot. Uh, I see you, Chris. <laughs> That's man, come on. Like I just happen to have that name. Come on, don't put me in there. And so did four other guys. <laughs> uh, and through all that rejection is how I discovered that uh first of all, I like myself. That's how I got a lot of my self-confidence, because listen, at a certain point it's like, well, I don't hate myself yet. There must be something good about me. And it helped me like discover what that good stuff is and why I like myself and what I value and what I want to improve about myself. Uh, it helped me stand up for what I deserve in relationships uh, because I already know how bad it's going to get in terms of rejection. And like, if that's all it's going to be like, it's going to suck. It's not fun, but uh, I can live with that and I can ask for what I want and what I know I should be getting. Um, And like you do eventually find a person and when you do, it's great, but it doesn't matter. Like it matters, but it doesn't matter because you, you found what's important about you within yourself. You've, uh, made that relationship with yourself to use the corny phrasing and that's the most important relationship you'll ever have beautiful thank you emma a uh, Stuart. something that helps me when i'm feeling a little down um i think that 98 percent of human dna is identical to a chimpanzee and we're doing pretty good for monkeys so for for being 98 percent monkey i think we're all doing pretty well 90 <laughs> percent ape Sorry. Yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? Chris. Uh well, here's some inspiration. Uh life sucks for everybody. We all have our different levels of suck and we all have our different ways of dealing with it. But at the end of the day, if you believe in yourself, you're gonna get through it. And so for this time that may be coming up, just remember that. Like we're all in it together. It's all sucks for everybody. We're all losing things. And don't dwell on the things that we used to have. Try to look forward to the things that we're going to get. Okay. Um, Joe? I learned this through a lot of years because I don't know if you guys know I'm kind of old. Um, in fact, I can tell you that probably five, six, seven years ago, I had a completely different attitude um, about... Uh, love and relationships than I do now. Um, I think that I've learned a heck of a lot. So I'm going to say this. Um, If you don't love yourself or if you don't aren't confident with yourself or you don't know who you are, you're not going to find somebody else. Uh, You're going to have somebody else who's going to be miserable because you can't love yourself or find yourself. And uh, you're not going to be able to give that to other people. Um, And the other thing I'm going to say is that uh, don't get a don't put a cat on uh, <laughs> during a show because your cat will just uh, move all your equipment around. Um, listen, we're gonna be going to another lockdown, and I know there's gonna be a lot of you that are gonna be by yourselves, or you're not gonna be with somebody you want to be close with, or things like that. And I'm gonna say, take the time and learn to be close with yourself, and learn to love yourself, and learn to find all the positive things about yourself. Um, when you come out on the other side, when you go and to uh, try and get into a relationship and you get rejected, it's not going to be that big a deal. It's not going to hurt that much. And you'll be able to do it more and more. 
Now, granted, I'm a comedy writer, so I'm used to getting rejected on a daily basis. Uh, but that's kind of a little bit different. But still, it's the same idea. So I think the most important thing that I'm trying to tell people is that if you love yourself and take care of yourself and know who you are, uh, life isn't that sucky. Life is pretty good. And you know where you're going. And once that happens, everything else just sort of falls into place. That's very true, Joe. Now I'm going to, because I have Norman here with me, I'm actually going to take this into a whole different direction. But like for some of you, all all of you know, you know, the story of Norman, but we found Norman um, after he had gotten hit by a car and he was only five pounds. He had a shattered hip, a broken back leg. He couldn't walk. So we took care of him. We loved him. He had bruising all over his body when we found him and gave him love and care. And now he's the happiest puppy he runs, we can't even keep up with him now. He loves to walk. So, you know, everybody, including animals, you know, creatures have their bad days, but there's always somebody out there that's gonna, you know, look out for you and gonna look out for them. So let's just like you, everybody's been saying, let's just take care of one another and check up on our friends. It's very important, especially like, you know, Chris and Joe have mentioned, you know, we are probably gonna be facing another lockdown week during the holidays. Um, it, it's tough. The holidays are really tough for people, especially during this time. So let's all check in with one another. And um, that's all. That's all I have to say. So yeah, right, stay, well, stay so strong, Chicago. You just got locked down for 30 I days. Know, I, yeah. I so oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. I got a message from one of my cousins in Chicago. They got locked down. So um, yeah, just, you know, let's just, you know, keep fighting through this and it's going to, it's going to get better, but Let's just be there for one another. So I know we, we're going to be through a lockdown and stuff like that, but uh, I have a ticket to Knott's Mary Farm, uh, so I'm hoping I get to go to that. <laughs> get to go to Joe. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Stuart, one final comment? Well, I, I just had a question, but what's the difference between a lockdown and what's what's going on now? Is it just like the all, we're going back to only essential businesses? Is that what the... the yeah. Thing? Yeah, it hasn't happened here yet, but that's probably the next step. Okay. Yeah, if if not this I mean, week, we're next pretty week. close here in LA anyway. We're in purple, so yeah, it, it's that's just probably the cases. Yeah. Well, that's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you back here again tomorrow night. At 6 p.m., our friend, comedian Grace Fraga, is going to be joining us. She will be one of our contestants in Dodge, the game of useless knowledge. And she's also going to be talking about her Facebook show that she's been doing. Um, it's a really fun show. So um, join us tomorrow night. We'll see you back here again at 6 p.m. Bye, everyone, and stay safe. Drew Paul says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can we get an amen?